0: Hey, folks, John Solomon here from John Solomon Reports. I'm proud to be on the iHeartRadio app every day with my podcast, with the news that we bring, the exclusive interviews. And you know what else is great? You can listen to any iHeartRadio station anywhere in the country inside this free The iHeart App Radio. If you don't have it right now, the iHeart Radio app is a winner. Be sure to download the free iHeart Radio app today and start streaming your favorite radio stations, your favorite podcasts, and your favorite music playlists right from the iHeart Radio app. Hello, America. Happy Thursday. Just a couple days from the Labor Day weekend. For all of you who work to keep our uh, supply chain moving to build the great things, homes and buildings and cars uh, to uh, keep our grocery stores shocked, uh, are stocked and uh, allow us uh, to check out. Uh, I want to thank you for your work. Your work keeps America moving forward and uh, on this Labor day. Thank you to all my employees, to my employees at Justin News, thank you guys. I love you and I appreciate the work you do. Uh, we turn out you know anywhere from 50 to 100 stories a day now. And uh, that's a big difference from three years ago when we started out as a little tiny news site uh, when I left the Hill newspaper. So uh, thank you to everyone, for all of you who do the job, law enforcement, firefighters, hospital uh, workers, doctors, nurses. We love you. We thank you. We honor you. And I hope you have a great Labor Day. I hope you enjoy the end of summer with a big relaxing time, family, friends. And um, we haven't forgotten what you do to make this country great. We have, speaking of great, a great show today, the man in charge of the investigation of Joe Biden and the Biden family enterprises, uh, House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer is in the house. He's going to give us a big update, and uh, he's going to tell you where he thinks Joe Biden rates in the pantheon of corrupt political figures in American history. You're going to be shocked by his answer Uh, He also has some new news uh, to break on several fronts. He also reacts to some of the news that we broke here on this show and, of course, on the Just the News website, including those those State Department memos that show that Joe Biden did not tell us the truth, nor did the impeachment uh, advocates of Donald Trump in the 2019 impeachment tell us the truth. Why? How do we know that? It's very simple. Joe Biden told us he fired the prosecutor in Ukraine because that's what the U.S. policy was. He was told to do it. The career people made him do it. He was told to withhold the billion dollars and tell the prosecutor, you're out. Well, the opposite is true, as you know. The State Department memos we made public last week show Joe Biden actually was told to give Ukraine the billion dollars and that the prosecutor, Victor Shokin, was doing a good job. It's more and more clear that Joe Biden fired the prosecutor because the prosecutor was causing headaches for his son and his son's company, Burisma. Uh, Devin Archer said it. uh, He's a Joe Biden acolyte. He said it. Uh, so many others did. And now the evidence shows that the story that Joe Biden and the impeachment managers gave us when they pursued Donald Trump is just not true. James Comer going to react to that today. I'm really excited about that. And then we're going to take a stroll through the economy. I got to tell you, when I was in Milwaukee and I broke away from uh, the presidential debate area, the arena downtown, got out into real America, whether I was out in the farmland, out in Richland, Wisconsin, or on the north side of Milwaukee, where I grabbed a couple of Uh, That's a highly um, African-American, Democrat-leaning part of the city. Uh, It was clear to me that there is only one issue and two issues and three issues that matter. The economy, the economy, and oh, the economy. And uh, it just was so clear. People talking about they can't afford food, they can't afford gas, uh, everything's more expensive, and they don't buy the Joe Biden's economic plan is working. Bidenomics is a four-letter dirty word in Wisconsin, clearly from the people I talked to. Well, we've got a great guest to handicap. Why that is? What's going on? And will it get better or worse? Why do I say that? Uh, well, uh, Steve Moore, the great economist, former economic advisor to President Donald Trump, he is going to be in the house, and we're going to walk through the economic indicators: what's right, what's wrong. And I think one of the most untold stories, a story that needs to be told every day, because it could change the minds of young voters who fell in love with Joe Biden two and a half years ago. Uh, the American homeownership dream is fading. Why? House prices are way up, and interest rates have more than grown by 100%. I think it went from 2.7 to 7.1 under Joe Biden. Uh, That adds $70,000 less that an an everyday homeowner can afford just because of the interest payment growth. Now throw inflation in, you're really biting into the American's wallet. In fact, over the course of a 30-year mortgage, Joe Biden's economy added about a two to three hundred thousand dollar bigger expense for you. Uh, that's Bidenomics. That's the truth of it, and that's what people are feeling. They're not feeling this rosy thing that Joe Biden and his pitch women and pitch men and on the podium are saying. And they don't feel good about the economy. They don't feel good about where America is headed. So Steve Moore is going to referee that. And then, uh, as I remind you often, uh, a big part of the reason for the inflationary stag. Inflationary economy that Joe Biden has created has a lot to do uh, with energy. His energy policy drove up energy prices. Energy prices drives everything else up. Well, we're going to bring Tim Stewart back into the house. He's uh, president of the U.S. Oil and Gas Association, one of the wisest people I know in uh, the entire energy sector. He calls it like it is. Listen, he bought an electric car, even though he's a oil and gas executive, because he, you know, he wanted to see what they were like. He he's a straight shooter. And he's the man who started HandsOffMyStove.com. What is HandsOffMyStove.com? A lot of people say it's, uh, well, it's, you know, it's an effort to get gas stoves uh, and keep them as an option in your home and in your restaurants. Actually, it's a lot more than that now. HandsOffMyStove.com is a movement to resist every single thing that Joe Biden and his regulatory regime are trying to outlaw, change, make more expensive over the course of his presidency. The latest one showed up this week. You saw it. Ceiling fans. Yeah, I don't know why they want to do this, but they want to make ceiling fans more expensive and regulate them, try to make them more energy efficient. All right, we've got a war in Ukraine, an open border, uh, uh, an inflated economy, and that is what Joe Biden is. He wants to dictate what ceiling fans on your ceiling, what stove is in your kitchen, what furnace and hot water heater in your basement, and what grill is on your back deck. And that's why handsoffmystove.com is so important. For a dollar a month, you join uh, Tim Stewart's army of American patriots who are fighting to keep your choices free for your home. You get to decide, gas or electric, electric vehicle, gas car, electric or a gas mower, uh, natural gas or uh, electric heat. You should decide. Maybe you like electric. Maybe you like Joe Biden's thing. Well, then you get to choose, but don't take those options away. And that's what handsoffmystove.com stands for. Uh, all sorts of uh, like-minded Americans just like you telling the government from City Hall to the State House, to the Halls of Congress and the marble-walled federal agencies here in Washington. Hands off my home. Yes, if I want a gas stove, I'm going to keep it. If I want a gas water heater, a gas uh, furnace, a gas grill, uh, an electric ceiling fan, you're not going to tell me how to live in my home. We were given the right to pursue our uh, our life and our happiness. And uh, no one should be able to tell you what to do in your home. That is what uh, hands off my stove has become in a very short time. Of course, it started with the war on gas stoves, but now there's a war on so many appliances. It's so much bigger than that. It's really hands off my home. So if you want to get involved, if you want to join Tim like I and others have, just go to handsoffmystove.com. Buck a day, 12 months, uh, $12 a year. It's basically less than a fast food meal these days. Uh, go there today and um, sign up. You won't regret it. You're going to get lots of intelligence, lots of opportunities to uh, fight for your freedom in your home, uh, the latest intelligence. Uh, it's its an amazing product. Uh, you get energy headlines from Just the News as part of it. Uh, we're very proud of the partnership and what Hands Off My Stove" resembles. So go check that today. And at the end of the show, we're going to hear from Tim Stewart. So an extra bonus. All right, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, James Comer, the man in charge of the Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, corruption investigation. He's going to be in the house to tell give us an update and also to rank Joe Biden in the pantheon of corrupt politicians. You're going to be pretty amazed where he lands in that thing. We'll have that right after these messages. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay up letters. Millions, I say. IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash news. That's tnusa.com slash news. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay up letters. Millions, I say. IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit TNUSA.com slash Just News. That's TNUSA.com slash Just News.
1: As evidenced by what has come out from our next guest, House Oversight Chairman James Comer. Sir, a lot of information to get to, but thank you for being here.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: I wanna start off with a number of smoking guns, 30 seconds before we came to air. I just jotted down my own little list. Uh, Testimony from Gary Shapley and Joseph Ziegler, the FBI 1023, money trails in the dozens of millions, WhatsApp text messages, 70 notices from banks and subsequent SARS reports, offshore accounts, meetings at Cafe Monaco, uh, interview last week with Victor Shokin. There are so many smoking guns, the latest of which is that Hunter Biden was on Air Force Two with Joe Biden as vice president at the time. I don't think that he was just hitching a ride to see the world. What have you found out?
2: Well, we know that Joe Biden hasn't been honest about how many times his son flew on Air Force Two with him. This is another of a long list of lies that Joe Biden's told the American people. But what we now know uh, for certain, thanks in part to Devin Archer's testimony, is that uh, Hunter Biden was selling the brand to these foreign nationals who were wiring millions and millions of dollars to the Biden family. And the brand was Joe Biden. And what Hunter Biden needed to do to demonstrate uh, that he was worth the millions and millions of dollars was uh, always be around his father, was to be able to put his father on the phone, was to be able to uh, do text messages and say that he's sitting next to his father. And of course, to fly on Air Force Two and walked down the steps of Air Force Two with his father. This added to the brand. This increased the fees that he charged these corrupt foreign nationals to send them money. And uh, what we're learning also, Amanda, is that uh, Joe Biden delivered in some cases. We know he delivered uh, when he uh, did what Devin Archer said the Burisma executives asked his son to do and call Washington for help. He provided help. He fired Victor Shokin, the prosecutor who was investigating uh, Hunter Biden's company for corruption. So uh, we're learning more every day about the corruption that uh, Joe Biden was engaged in while he was vice president.
0: Sir, your letter today was so important. I, I highlighted the 15 trips that we think we know about on Air Force Two. There may be more. But when you opened the letter, you said that Joe Biden had engaged in abuse of power by using Air Force Two as essentially a business prospecting tool for his son's foreign exploits. Abuse of power has a very important term in the history of this country. It often signals something that might lead to impeachment. Where are you in the process of thinking about whether impeachment is warranted and what else might be needed to make the complete case?
2: Well, certainly, I think the evidence grows every day that would support impeachment. Uh, Many of us in Congress are already there. We've seen enough. Uh, But with respect to my role as chairman of the House Oversight Committee, we're we're in charge of bringing out all the evidence. So there are still more bank records that uh, we want to have access to. We want to make public. Uh, Certainly, we want to know about these 5,400 emails with the pseudonyms. We had requested all email correspondence between Joe Biden and, and his son pertaining to Ukraine and uh, of course, we didn't get a whole lot back, but now we learned they use pseudonyms and fake names. So we re-requested the information in the pseudonym names, and lo and behold, there's 5,400 emails. Uh, many have been redacted. So we've still got more uh, information to process. We're trying to do it as quickly as possible, but uh, every day the evidence continues to grow that would support impeachment. I don't think any vice president in the history of America was more corrupt than Joe Biden. And certainly we're concerned that all the corruption that uh, he benefited from and his family benefited from while he was vice president, uh, could have tainted his presidency and and made him uh, vulnerable, made our country vulnerable, uh, made him compromised. And that's why we're continuing this investigation and we're gonna try to get all the bank records and all the email correspondence that Joe Biden had pertaining to shady business transactions that his family was involved in with foreign nationals. Yeah, so important.
1: <sighs> Sir, uh, of, of all of the reasons that I think are out there uh, to explore impeachment, abuse of power, bribery, I would think the least of which would be the taxpayer issue, especially pertaining to the trips on Air Force Two, because uh, I think that it, it's probably comparable to Air Force One in that it's about $160,000 an hour to operate. So you consider these 15 trips, all of the man hours spent on this plane, the cost to operate it, essentially, fundamentally, taxpayers paid for this brand to be propagated across who knows how many nations.
2: Absolutely. I mean, he really had no role in the Obama administration until the very end, until he agreed not to run against Hillary Clinton, uh, to let Hillary Clinton be the, the chosen one. And that's when he Suddenly wanted to be a foreign policy expert in all the corrupt countries around the world. Well, now we know why he was profiting off of that. His family was profiting off of that, and he was using his son Hunter as the front man for that. Uh, the The evidence continues to grow that supports that. I think that uh, you know one question I have is: I wonder what President Obama knew about his vice president's corrupt. Uh, business schemes with his son. I mean, this is very serious. When you start leveraging taxpayer dollars uh, in, in the form of foreign aid in countries and telling them to drop uh, prosecutors uh, so they can uh, turn a blind eye to Americans involved in corruption, that that's pretty bad. And to use taxpayer dollars in the form of flights on Air Force Two to take your son, uh, who's the front man, for your you know, your corrupt business schemes to, to meet these foreign leaders and to try to act like you don't have any role in it. Well, I didn't know what he was doing. I don't think anybody believes that. He lied when he said he never met any of these people. He lied when he ne- said he never talked to any of these people. Well, we've proven he met every one of these people that sent money to him. And remember, man, these are bad people. These are bad people from bad countries who were in bad trouble and who were needing help. And the the one person that was there to help him was Joe Biden. And he didn't do it out of the kindness of his heart. He did it in return for the millions of dollars they were wiring to his family.
0: Yeah, such an extraordinary pattern that you have put together so quickly, sir. Uh, I want to ask about last week's disclosure. We got these documents from the State Department. We now know that Joe Biden didn't carry out U.S. policy. He was told to give the billion dollars. He changed that to I'm um, withholding the billion dollars to get rid of Uh, the uh, prosecutor, who his own career people are saying was doing a good job. They even sent him a congratulatory letter at one point. Uh, How important is it that Joe Biden changed the policy in terms of filling out a narrative of something that was a corrupt act?
2: I mean, this is just shocking to me, John. I've never pretended to be a foreign policy expert. I just guess I relied on other people in Congress and, and unfortunately some of the media Uh, to say that, uh, you know, we always heard the narrative that Victor Shokin was corrupt and the American policy was to go over there and fire him. Well, the American policy, as we found out, and as you've been saying all along, John, uh, never did uh, suggest that Shokin was corrupt. In fact, the email suggest that the uh, State Department under the Obama administration was pleased with Shokin. They sent him a letter thanking him. For his reform efforts. And he really hadn't been in that position very long. Uh and and for Joe Biden to create this narrative, it's almost like the steel dossier. You know, Adam Schiff says, Oh, there's a steel dossier yeah. that would suggest that there was collusion between the Trump campaign and Russia. Everybody bought into it. You know, I don't know what a lot of my colleagues do on all these codels they go on, all these foreign trips. You know, you gotta a uh, pretty big percentage of Congress that that loves foreign policy, they love to go to foreign countries, but you know how they can let stuff slip, uh, like the steel dossier and, and like the creating the narrative that Victor Shokin was corrupt is beyond me. I mean, we've got to make a lot of changes in Congress. I think every American knows that. But with respect to this investigation, there was never any evidence that we can find that would suggest that Shokin was corrupt. The only thing that we can find on Shokin is he was investigating corruption, and he was investigating right. Burisma, which was a corrupt energy company that the, that Joe Biden's son was getting paid millions of dollars to serve on the board. And we know that, uh, according to Devin Archer, who was also on the Burisma board, that Hunter Biden was being squeezed by the owners to call Washington for help. Now we have an email in one of the pseudonyms that Hunter was copied on, that is around that same time frame, suggesting yeah. that Joe Biden was gonna go there and daddy was gonna provide the help that Burisma needed. So important.
1: Sir, wow. we've just got a few minutes left. I wanted to ask you with respect to what we were just talking about. Have you, you know, Joe Biden was the point person on Ukraine. Um, have you ever known of another time in history when when someone who is considered a point person in an official or unofficial capacity has had basically absolute or plenary power to completely reverse the department's policies?
2: No, and I've been studying and, and we're still studying and doing the research, but I've never found a time when uh, anyone from the United States in a leadership position went to a foreign country and tried to withhold foreign aid in exchange for terminating an individual. Now, I've heard where uh, people will go to foreign countries and say, you're gonna have to reduce your carbon emissions, or you're gonna have to uh, stop selling arms to certain countries that may be trying to attack Israel, or, or you may need to watch your business transactions with China. But never, hey, you need to fire your prosecutor who's investigating my son's energy company. That's never happened before, nor should it ever happen again. And I think in, when this investigation is over with, we're going to pass major legislation that defines influence peddling and bans it forever. But at the end of the day, I don't think anyone in Congress can uh, support what Joe Biden did in, in Ukraine. And then on this oversight committee, I have to, to, to sit beside Jamie, Raskin, who <laughs> led the impeachment of Donald <laughs> yeah. Trump for simply asking about it. It's really remarkable.
0: All right, folks, don't go anywhere. We've got another great guest, Steve Moore, the great economist, the great former Trump advisor. Uh, he's going to break down the economy. Why does it? Joe Biden say it feels so good when we know it doesn't feel good at all? What's the gap? What's the gap in reality? Steve Moore is going to uh, tell us about. Now, before we go there, speaking of the economy... A lot of people see and have become alarmed that China is hoarding food. They're buying up agricultural land in the United States. They're buying up food anywhere they can. They are worried about a future food crisis. You've heard many, many, many people talking about this on this show, national security experts, economic experts. The uh, former UN hunger expert was on the show here not too long ago, David we had. You've heard time and again, there is a food crisis on the horizon And uh, I get it. You know, everyone thinks, well, it won't happen in America. Well, it could. And uh, that's the warning that so many of the wise, learned experts that have come on the show have said. So we have an extraordinary uh, friendship, an extraordinary partnership with uh, ForPatriots.com. They make uh, emergency food kits that are the best and will protect your family, not just now, not next, next week, not for the rest of this year or for the next couple of years, for 25 years, you're going to get some of the best-selling survival food kits you've ever had, hand-packed in the USA. The kits are compact and they stack easily, so they don't take up a lot of room, but they taste good. Uh, and you can get a breakfast, lunch, and dinner combo. Uh, lots of five-star reviews of 4Patriots. They are not only great patriots, they're 4Patriots. So go to FourPatriots.com. go pick out your survival food uh, package. Give that peace of mind to you and your family and you're going to do something special. If you put the word Solomon, S-O-L-O-M-O-N, my last name, Solomon, in at the checkout line uh, in the code word, you're going to get 10% off your first purchase. That's a really good deal. 10% off your first pur- purchase. For Patriots Survival Food. By the way, For Patriots has a lot more. they got a really cool sol- solar generator I'm dying to get. They have so many amazing things. Go today to ForPatriots.com. Use the code word Solomon Get that. Uh, hoard your own emergency supply food. Be like China. Be prepared. And then you won't have to worry about it ever again. Uh, that's the great thing about my friends at 4patriots.com. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. Uh, Steve Moore right after these messages. Folks, everyone knows the next medical crisis is just around the corner, whether it comes in the form of a pandemic or something much more mundane like a tick bite. All right, folks. Welcome back from the commercial break. When I was out in Milwaukee last week, I broke off from the Republican uh, debate for a while and I went into the uh, north side of Milwaukee, a historically African-American community, one of my favorite places. Got a lot of favorite restaurants there when I lived there. And I just went to a couple of restaurants. I listen to people, and boy, all they could talk about is they couldn't afford life. All they want is to make America affordable again, is what they told us. I thought we'd bring on one of the greatest economic minds that we have in this country. Joining me right now, the great economist and really good friend, Steve Moore. Steve, great to have you back on the show.
3: Hey, John, great to be with you. By the way, I was also in uh, Milwaukee for that debate, and I love the restaurants in Milwaukee. You know, the sausages, cheeses, and, and you know, Milwaukee is a very underrated american uh city and so it was great great to be there and uh get the bait
0: i have a fond spot for it i met my wife there so i've uh, always had great <laughs> memories and uh, i always gain oh, weight when uh, i go are you there you're a cheesehead <laughs> i am i am an adopted cheesehead yes <laughs> 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 oh, but it, you're right it is an amazing it's actually a secret uh, a great secret what a great city it is and yeah. um
3: but course, I was, when we were there, it was uh, you know uh, August. You know, you might not want to be there in February.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Good point, February, You could actually it was real warm. One day it was like hundred degrees, hundred three degrees. That's I beautiful.
3: think, yeah,
0: yeah it was hot, hot, hot. Yeah, so uh, it was so striking to me uh, when I I got out of the you know the political buzz area and started talking to real people. Uh, they can't afford the the uh, grocery bill. They're worried about the price yep. of gas. Uh, I had a couple, a young African American couple. They had a four year old children. And they said we canceled our camping trip, because we were afraid we wouldn't have enough money to pay tuition and food in September. Uh, the Biden economy, despite its victory tour, really feels bad to people. How big an issue is the economy in terms of just real dollars, real ability for people to afford things?
3: Well, it's, it's sort of interesting that you talk about you know your experience there in Milwaukee, because my wife... Uh, you know, and we're upper middle income. We're not, you know, we're, we're doing pretty well financially. Yeah. We're not millionaires by any means, but right. you know, my wife is always, she's complaining to me. She's like, Steve, you have no idea how much things cost, you know, cause she does most of the, the buying of things. And, you know, so, uh, last week, you know, I went to the grocery store with her and you know, some other places and, you know, it was like, I couldn't believe <laughs> she was right. I couldn't believe what are yeah. costing now. And you know, the most things seem to I, I, I like Cocoa Krispies. You know, a batch of Cocoa Krispies is seven dollars now. <laughs> I mean three dollars. So I do think that people are are I, I don't I'm not saying I don't believe the three and a half percent inflation number. I'm saying right I don't think it's really reflecting what people are really paying. Yeah. You know, for the things they have to buy. Food, rent, mortgage, a utility bill. Um, you know, travel costs, try to rent a, rent a car, try to buy a new car. Our new cars are $50,000 now on average. I mean, I can't believe it. Uh, you and I are old enough to remember, you know, when cars were $20,000. That's right. So it's just, uh, it is a, a huge financial squeeze on American families, especially in the middle class. And uh, that's the reason why when Joe Biden keeps saying how great uh, Bidenomics is, I think it actually makes people angry because it makes him seem completely out of touch with what middle class America is facing.
0: Yeah, it uh, it really is. And and uh, that is becoming a real problem. If you're a young person, the, the uh, dream of an American home is really out of reach now because prices of homes went way up through inflation, but then mortgage interest rates went up to deal with inflation. And I think you had a statistic on your Twitter feed, it just blew me away, that yeah. American home buyers have lost $71,000 of buying power in the last couple of years under Joe Biden. That's remarkable.
3: Well, it's actually more than that. We actually did. I, I have to confess, we did a miscalculation. Mis- so, given the latest numbers on the mortgage rates, remember that a mortgage rate was 2.9 percent when Trump left office, and now it's 7.1 percent nationally. Now, some places it's a little higher, some places it's a little lower. Uh, when you take a thir- out a 30-year mortgage, so you're paying, uh, you know, that interest rate over a 30-year period. It's yeah. adding actually over $200,000 to the wow. price of a $500,000 home. Mm. Now, that, again, that's over 30 years. so it's But still, what that means is that people can't buy. I think what you were referring to is, you know, that means that if you were going to have the money to, say, like buy a $500,000, right? now you only have the money to buy a $430,000. Yeah. So, you, you know, we're kind of saying the same thing in a different way. But, you know, the, one of the ironies of life, you know, this is just a general non-political point, but I've always thought this was a strange thing. You can't really afford to buy, like, you know, my kids have left. Now I can afford to buy a big house. Yeah. Well, I don't need to buy, I needed a big house 20 years ago. So it is kind of ironic that when people, that's why, you know, people need help from their parents. When I bought my bought my first house, my parents helped me with the down payment and that, and, you know, my kids are now saying, uh, well, I don't really want your, your, your money, dad, to buy a house. And they so, said, look. This is just a rite of passage. My grandfather helped my father buy a house, and I want to, you know, my parents helped me buy a house, and I want to help you. But now, even with my down payment, he can't afford a house, you know. So it's, it's becoming a real, and as you said, home ownership is really the embodiment of the American dream. It
0: is. Yeah, and it's it's just been eroded uh, here, and there's no recognition by this president what he's done. And going out there and saying I made your life better, no one's buying it. Certainly not the even the blue state of Hawaii. After his performance there, he has a real credibility problem because he doesn't relate to what people when they go to the grocery store and others are really experiencing. You do such a powerful job of describing the statistical changes of the Trump economy and the Biden economy. There's all these great moments. Interest rates, I think we're at 2.7 when uh, Trump left. Now they're 7.1, 7.2 they're cropping up towards. Um, there were seven or eight models of cars that you could buy for under 20000 Now there's only one. Uh, it's just all these little things add up. Is this a Jimmy Carter sort of election where people are going to say up and say, I'm just so much worse off than four years ago. I'm throwing the bum out.
3: Well, sure could be. I mean, now, look, I want to be fair. The economy is in the last three months has picked up a little
0: bit.
2: Right.
3: So, you know, with the growth rate, you know, businesses are doing better now. The the economy is better now than it was a year ago. No question about it. And and I I never root against the American economy. I'd love to see it, you know, continue to pick up. Right. Uh, But you still have this problem of um, of the wages, which are just, you know, in other words, when Biden says, you know, well, we, we've reduced inflation, that's true. I mean, the inflation rate is down. But, you know, those inflation rates from, you know, 2021 and 2022, when inflation hit 9.5%, they're like embedded in the cost now of everything you buy. And so, yes, the inflation rate is down, but the inflation of the prices you're paying for things, I calculate about, on average, about 18% up. And as I said before, I think that doesn't really reflect you know, when I when you, when you look at the necessities, I think the real inflation rate is you know over the last two and a half years is closer to twenty point twenty five percent, and that's huge because you know again for lower income people, inflation is a regressive tax. Right? Yeah. I mean, the the lower your income, the more you're negatively impacted by inflation because you have fewer dollars to spend, and that's why when I keep saying I have not raised any taxes on people who make less than four hundred thousand dollars. I mean, I guess that's technically true, yeah. but not really true because the the way they're paying for this stuff is by inflating the ta- the prices
0: that everybody pays. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. Folks, we're sponsored today by Donors Trust, the tax-friendly way to preserve your charitable giving. In times of crisis, those with a giving spirit and a desire to build up civil society find ways to be helpful. And that's when it's good to have a charitable resource ready to deploy when they're needed most. Donors Trust offers donor advised funds or giving accounts. You can use these funds as your own charitable investment account and manage your charitable giving in a way that's smart, tax advantaged, aligned with your values and private. Donors Trust clients are using their funds to support charities helping their local communities while also using their giving account That's DonorsTrust.org slash just News. All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote, it's about elevating your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. And so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale: four years for just thirty dollars at AMAC. By joining over two million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC. just justnews That's AMAC. justnews You did a column uh, last month that I shared. I thought it was one of the best truth watches in a long time. I saw done on the Biden economy. It was right in the middle of his Bidenomics story. He makes five claims, and it's not true. Wages and salaries are rising. Well, they are, but the, uh, they're not keeping up with inflation. So You're actually, right. it's a net loss. More jobs than any of the modern president. Not really, because Donald Trump actually created the jobs. They temporarily went away, and they came back. Yeah. Um, and you go through all of them. The one that I think is most uh, 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 impactful is his idea that he's portraying himself as an oil and gas guy. We would be 2 to 3 million barrels uh, yes. uh, 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 barrels a day of oil production. And energy seems to be the thing that drove all of our prices up. Am I misreading that, that energy was the beginning of that inflationary moment?
3: Well, it's so funny you should mention this particular issue because um, you know I wrote that article that you mentioned a couple of weeks ago. But this week, Biden is now uh, again saying, oh, we're, he basically said uh, – we're at record levels of um, oil production. Well, that's not exactly true. We, we actually had 13 million barrels a day at the peak of Trump. Right. But we are up to about 12 and a half million barrels a day. So there, it is true we're drilling more oil now than we were when Biden first came in. But what Casey Mulligan and I find, Casey's one of the best economists in the country, at yes. uh, University of Chicago, that you know the, the reason that the oil production up, you know why the oil production is up, John? Why is that? Because the price of oil is up. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Just like anything, if you increase, if you increase the price of something, people are going to produce more of. That's it. right. And they so, chase. Yeah. They chase the price. Exactly. So what you know, if at the current price, if Trump were still president, we now estimate we'd be producing three million more barrels a day. Wow. And so at eighty dollars, uh, I'm pretty good at this math. Not great, but eighty dollars a barrel, uh, a barrel is the price, uh, and that means that we're losing. $240 million a day, John, every single day of, uh, of our production. And think of what that would mean for the economy and for jobs and for people's incomes if we're producing $240 million more. And instead, where is that money Where's that money going? It's going to OPEC. It's going to yeah. Russia. It's going to ben- – did you see it, by the way? You want to talk about something crazy. Biden is now trying to negotiate a deal with Venezuela – you know, a communist country that is the worst human rights violations about virtually any country in the world. And, uh, because he wants their oil. So he won't produce oil in Texas, in Oklahoma, and West Virginia, but he does want to get it from what, from, from a communist country that is, that is, uh, you know, um, causing starvation of his own citizens. And then he says, oh, no, Maduro is going to hold, uh, free open elections. You, what, that, when is that going to happen, John? Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's not happening. Yeah, no, that's such a good point. As we look out uh, now, between now and uh, November of 2024, when Americans will make their next big choice for president, uh, yeah. what are the uh, prognostications that you see where the economy is headed? And what are the pressures and the things we should be watching for to understand where this economy is headed?
3: Well, again, it's funny you're asking all these questions right in my strike zone, because I just wrote another column. Uh, that I'm just in the middle of writing right now called Bidenomics 2.0. And what is that going to look like? And, John, it is scary. It is. It, I, I mean, Americans have to understand that, the uh, you know, there was a lot of what Biden tried to do in his first two years that he he was not able to get done. Right. Uh, now, uh, he did get a lot of. The, I mean, he did spend a lot of money. He spent, you know, six trillion dollars, which is no small feat. You know, that made him the most financial reckless president in history. But a lot of things that he didn't get done, And I'm just going to tick off a few of these because I think Americans have to understand how, what Bidenomics 2.0 would do for the economy. Number one, they would um, they they still have two trillion dollars of spending that they didn't get that they want. You know, more social progress, more income redistribution, more green energy. Yep. So that would add another two trillion dollars to our to our debt at the time when we need to be cutting spending. And Number two. How are they going to pay for all that? Biden has proposed and he proposed in January the biggest tax increase in American history, and especially on investment, on capital gains. I think I talked about this on your podcast uh, a few months ago. He wants to tax unrealized capital gains, John. That means, let's say you have a farm, your family has a farm that's appreciated, let's say, a million million dollars in value after owning it for 20 years. You'd have to pay a a, a tax on a, a million dollar gain. Well, how are you going to pay that? (laughs) And what are you going to do, sell the farm to pay the tax? So, you know, that's kind of outrageous what they want to do. They want to raise our corporate tax, our dividend tax, our capital gains tax, the unrealized capital gains. So that would be catastrophic for the country. Then they want to double down on the green energy policies uh, that they put in place. They want something called net zero. I don't know if you've heard of that. Oh, yes. Yeah, where you basically go to zero. Uh, oil, gas, and coal production. Right. Well, <laughs> wait a minute. We get seventy percent of our energy from yep, oil, from those, gas, and coal. Yep. So going to zero would be a disaster. Uh, and so you know, those are just a few of the things that people have. To, oh, and then how are they going to get that done? And this is your more area of expertise, John. I believe they will. Ha- believe they have a mandate for packing the court. Mm-hmm. I believe they think they have a mandate for getting rid of the filibuster. Uh, so I think you know, Biden likes to talk about quote threats. Democracy. Yeah. Don't you think that would be a pretty big threat to democracy? Yeah.
0: No, these are and you
3: disagree with me by the way, don't you think they're gonna to try to pull those things off?
0: The they are, the pressure from their base to do those is growing yep. by the day. You see it in you know, I get I'm on a lot of the email lists where the liberals are talking to each other and you yep. just see and, and they're getting frustrated and they're getting worried too. I think they know that the twenty twenty four election is gonna be very hard to win because they're losing core constituencies of the Democratic Party and independent voters at the same time. That's a real problem. Um, and
3: yeah. uh, I it, have to tell you, by the way, John, I had uh, dinner, a dinner with um, uh, uh, RFK Jr., wow. uh, That the, the Committee of Unleashed Prosperity. We had him up in New York. And, and you know, he's a very charming, and, you know, he's a Kennedy, you, you know, sure. a wonderful smile. He's I'm actually a very, very warm human being. He I is. liked him a lot. He's him. a very nice guy uh, You know, his speech impediment is a, is a problem for sure. But, you know, he... One of the things I really respected about him, and, and I probably disagree with him pretty strongly on about half the issues, but on half the issues, he makes a lot of sense, which makes him 50% more uh, normal than on, uh, most of the other a, Democrats. A, a Biden other. Democrat? But, <laughs> but what I, yeah, but what I really admired about him, and there's so few, this is what disturbed me so much about the Democratic Party. Look, every party always has some nutcases, but... Where are the sensible Democrats that are shouting out about the craziness of what's going on in their party? And RFK has the courage to do that, to say, look, some of the stuff we're doing, the the response to climate change was crazy, the idea of raising taxes. He said, my uncle, of course, JFK, cut taxes. He did. Now now my party wants to raise them. And so anyway, I'd love to see someone like an RFK really make a run for their party's nomination because... It's it's very bad for America how left wing the
0: Democratic yeah become. no uh, it 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 is and they're, they're actually ruining their party. They may feel good now because they're catering to their base, but there's going to be a correction election, and when yeah. it occurs, it's going to be a an onslaught in 2024. Uh, uh, well, it, feels it better like- be
3: 2024. Yeah. That's the point of my article. Because, yeah. you know, you get four more years of Biden policies, or you know, if it's you know, let's say uh, Gavin Newsom's policy. Yep. I, I don't think uh, you know the, the analogy I used, John was. You know, uh, the remember the the movie, um, The Perfect Storm, where the ship is trying to make it out of that yes. storm? And it's just almost like our economy, you know, uh, the rickety sh- ship of our economy, you know, was able to survive the first two years of, of you know, of Biden's policies. But I don't think it could survive, you know, two or three or four more years of this. No, yeah. I, think the, I think the ship of state would capsize.
0: Yeah, there is a lot of concern. You talk to lots of people today and you hear that. Uh, Steve. Real quickly, I want to. Uh, there is a, some momentous decisions that the Congress faces in the coming weeks now that they return to work from summer break. Yeah. Um Do what do you think happens with the spending bills, <laughs> and do we do a shutdown, and would a shutdown hurt the economy or not?
3: Oh gosh, it's it's so hard to predict. I've yeah. been to this movie so many times. That's right. It's like years. a bad horror
0: movie <laughs> keeps playing over and over again.
3: Yeah. So I think the, the important thing, the politics of this, is almost more important than you know than than the actual result i mean obviously we want to cut spending as much as possible but the truth is they have a you know they control the senate they control the white house and so the the republicans have a very 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 you know narrow majority in the house so they don't have a whole lot of bargaining power here i think what the republicans need to do and i told kevin mccarthy this is you just gotta stick to the deal that you made you know back when was that six months ago and you know it a great deal no but it, it it is better than um then nothing. And if the Democrats won't stick to the deal, then I think Republicans have to just go to the American people and say, you know, we have a debt deal. They agreed to us. We didn't think it was the greatest deal in the world, but now they want to run away from it. Yeah. I think that the American people would, uh, you know, would uh, see the logic of yeah. that. And, you know, be, but look, it's, if you want cuts in government spending and debt folks, you're going to need a new president. Yeah, that's right.
0: A new president and a Senate. Yeah, you're going to need all three for a period of time. Uh, Steve, we always love the work you do. Whether it's at Freedom Works, it's in your own books. Uh, your Wall Street Journal op-eds are amazing. Uh, you are a, such a treasure to this country, and we love having you on the show. Thanks so much. Have a good Labor Day.
3: Well, you too, John, and I congratulate. You. you got so many, uh, you know, scoops in the last, uh, you know, you. few weeks. But I love the one you did on the uh, all the 1600 scientists who amazing, say uh, that the, the idea of a uh, calamitous climate change. Is not happening. And and so I I love that story. And
0: and, And there are two Nobel laureates in that group. I mean, these are some heavy hitters. Yeah. Yeah, Well, thank you. We're we're lucky to have the great staff here. So you have a good one. We'll be talking to you soon because the economy's on everybody's mind. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. Take care, Steve. All right, folks, one more good one to go Uh, when we get back from the commercial break. Tim Stewart the man who started the Hands Off My Stove movement and the president of the U.S. Oil and Gas Association, here to answer questions from me and Amanda right after these messages. You know what, folks? Stress may be why you can't lose weight. If you've got moderate to high stress like I do, a doctor-formulated weight loss supplement called Lean could be your solution. Statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, and it's not a substitute or alternative for care from a health care provider.
3: Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Bite, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com.
0: Welcome back, America. A few months ago, we saw this extraordinary movement begin called Hands Off My Stove. It was a reaction to state, local, and national efforts to regulate gas stoves out of our homes. Well, it has gone bonkers since then. It's not only gas stoves, it's water heaters. Last week, it was your ceiling fan. Uh, The big government regulators are going for everything in your home. Well, our next guest, he's fighting back. He started this extraordinary Hands Off My Stove movement He's the president of the U.S. Oil Gas Association, and he's not going to let big government get inside your home. He is our good friend, Tim Stewart. Tim, great to have you on the show. Thank you for sponsoring the segment tonight. Uh, boy, every time we have you on, there's a new regulatory effort trying to get something else out of our home. Were you surprised about ceiling fans?
4: Well, you know, it's interesting. This administration has this tendency to want us to be cold and tired and hungry, apparently. And uh, <laughs> yeah. if, we're, if we're not those things, then we're going to be hot. And and uh, so, no, it's not surprising. It, it's, it's just this ongoing green agenda they're trying to push on us, and, and it's unfortunate. It's been interesting, though, John, you know, you and I have talked about a lot about the interesting role that, that restaurants and chefs will play. We're oh, starting yes. to see those restaurants across the country push back. And the polls are starting to shift in, in the favor of those people who want to keep their gas stoves, and that's really encouraging. Yeah,
0: that's amazing. Tim. That is amazing.
1: It, and it's amazing everything that they're trying. I, personally, I draw the line at the pizza ovens. I don't mind not driving. I don't mind not cooking, but you take away my pizza and then we're going to have problems. Um, But your Twitter account is one of or the US Oil and Gas Association's Twitter account is incredible. And I encourage everybody to go check it out because you put out such clean, remarkable data, oftentimes with comparisons. And I want to bring up this latest one about electric vehicles, because here in Los Angeles, I've actually seen quite a few Rivians, but I don't think that Los Angeles is a very fair representation. Uh, I don't think it's a great cross-section of America, but you tweeted this out. Chevy Tahoe and suburban sales in the U.S. increased over 53 uh, percent in quarter two of 2023, an increase of over 87 uh, percent. But Rivian automotive production totals for the same quarter produced only 14,000 vehicles. Uh, it delivered only 13,000 It posted adjusted loss of 32,000. This doesn't really seem to bode well for the, the popularity that we are told. Is of, of electric vehicles.
4: Well, that was in, in made, that tweet was made in, in response to the Rivian CEO's comment. He said he says something to the effect of, "I don't see why anybody would buy a combustion-powered vehicle. It's like you know building a horse barn in 1910." And the one thing he said, particularly, was, "Imagine buying a Chevy Suburban in 2030, and the gas stations are going to go away." And uh, you know, it, it's easy. The Rivians are great vehicles. I have I have no argument with them. I've got uh, family members who have a couple of them. But the fact of the matter is, is Americans are still buying internal combustion engines in incredible numbers. The fact alone is, is that full-size SUVs, not just counting pickups, not counting mid and small SUVs, et cetera, et cetera, those full-size SUVs outsold Rivians eight to one in the second quarter. And so, in in seven years, the buyers of 2023 Chevy Suburbans going to have nothing to worry about. The Rivian drivers, on the other hand, are going to have to figure out where they're going to get their $25,000 to replace the Rivian batteries, which only have a seven-year life. And so I thought it was an interesting comment from the Rivian CEO. Yeah, uh, it definitely
0: was. And uh, there's also some interesting numbers. Ford continuing to lose big uh, money uh, betting on electric vehicles. and starting to lay off those sort of workers that might vote Democrat as union workers, but now realize, hey, this president's taking away our job. There seems to me a political boomerang to the uh, the big green agenda now. Uh, everyday people are realizing it made my home more expensive, made my food more expensive, and you're taking my job and send it to China. Is this an election where uh, uh, there's a resounding rejection of the Biden approach to energy?
4: Well, I would hope so if we wanna be able to keep heating our houses and, and driving our cars. You know, uh, this the White House talks about Bidenomics, and it's really interesting because I think uh, that have, may have a tendency to backfire on them particularly. But if I could take back John real quick, you raised something really interesting about this green transition. There's a really interesting article in Bloomberg uh, today about how hedge funds are shorting the stocks that the Biden IRA bill was meant to help. They see something in in the fact that we are moving into a much higher interest rate. And that's not good for a lot of these startup companies and these companies uh, who are into phase one or phase two, they're losing lots of money. Free money is a great lubricant, but it's not long-lasting. And it, frankly, when a lot of these projects don't pencil out in the financing phase, even with the massive subsidies. And so if you, if you lay there, even with the federal and the state subsidies in place, if interest rates increase, they're not financially sound. And I think the Wall Street's starting to take a good hard look at these projects that are still in the financing phase because the interest rates have had a big impact. That's a great point.
1: Okay, Tim, I hate to just keep ripping from your Twitter thread, but you keep ripping liberals left and right on there, and it's amazing. So a lot of people have seen this viral video of the climate protesters, I think, in Nevada, um, and some law enforcement who were not having it. And they plowed through. They didn't plow through people. It was the barricades that they had put up. But your organization's Twitter account responded, uh, basically bringing up the notion that the the more you block these vehicles, the longer they sit there and idle. And the worse it is for the environment, how how do they not get that?
4: I don't know. Look, if you got a ten mile backup of idling Winnebagos trying to get to to Burning Man, and I guarantee you they aren't new Winnebagos. they're some rusty old no. mothers. from The eighties, no. you know, knowing the Burning Man participants. <laughs> the really interesting thing that was fascinating is is uh, you got to remind people that this was this was tribal law enforcement. They're the ones who stepped yeah. in. And being from out west, you know, you don't mess with tribal law enforcement. They don't. They don't take fools lightly like some of the other local law enforcements do. I swear, Amanda, we're not paying these groups to do this, but they're actually doing us a huge favor in advertising how absurd yeah. they are. So yeah. I, I'd like to point that out, that we're not paying for these protests. Yeah,
0: it's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> it's backfiring. I think Americans are starting to get a little fed up by all this extremism and alarmism. Um, Tim, I think one of the most amazing things you did when you uh, started handsoffmystove.com uh, was you reminded people that these aren't just some ideological uh, lab in America, they're intruding into our home. They're reaching into our home and taking future choices away for Americans. And what they're going to put in their kitchen, their basement on their back porch. Tell us, give us an update on how people are reacting. And this seems to be much larger now than just gas stoves, right? It's really the whole, uh, your whole home is at threat with this regulatory thing. we got about a minute left.
4: Okay, it's really interesting. You know, I, I mentioned earlier the polls are starting to show that the majority, all across the country, individual yeah. states, red and blue, don't support the banning of stoves. Um, we now have 20 states that are, that have now put have prohibited local entities from passing these these stove and and gas hookup bans. Wow. We're also starting to see the dividing lines being drawn and it's becoming red and blue. For example, last, you know, the Wisconsin governor vetoed the legislature's ban on those local governments. And unfortunately, you're starting to see those those standard battle lines be drawn. But the fact of the matter is uh, this this is important to people and they're not going to put up with it. And we've got lots of work to do, but we're excited the progress we're making. Uh, The progress you've made is
0: extraordinary. I mean, you've really made this a national dialogue in just a few short weeks. It's amazing. Uh, folks, if you want to join Tim's effort, Hands Off My Stove, go to handsoffmystove.com. All right, folks. Thanks again for tuning in to another edition of John Solomon Reports, a podcast from Just the News. If you want a news fix, you can always go to justthenews.com. You can watch the Just the News No Noise television show in Real America's Voice, 6 o'clock every night with Amanda Head and I. always love working alongside of Amanda. You could also download the Just the News app from the Android and Apple stores. A great uh, way to read uh, to read, listen, and watch just the news content. Like I say, we do about 100 stories a day, up to 100 pieces of content a day. Uh, but those are all the different ways. And also, if you want to say thank you for the great scoops that we have, like the one Natalia middlestat broke this morning about the Michigan uh, election investigation, uh, stumbling onto a what appears to be a nationwide fraudulent ballot application operation, which the FBI was told about three years ago, and we can't tell that anything was done about it. Well, you can support our sponsors, and a couple of them are great. HandsOffMyStove.com. Tim Stewart told you why they're important, and I know they're important. You should join. AMAC.us slash Just News if you want to join the Association for Mature American Citizens. And, of course, uh, get a beat on uh, having your own emergency supply kit for food so you never worry about it again by going to my good friends at FourPatriots.com and just use the code word Solomon, S-O-L-O-M-O-N. That's 4, the number 4, Patriots. Dot com. Those are three great vendors, three great partners, three great uh, advertisers and sponsors you can support. If you support them, you're supporting us and you're telling them your thanks. But in, in addition to that, you're going to get great products and services like what AMAC, like what Hands Off My Stove, like what Four Patriots gives all of its customers. That's why they're so highly rated. All right. That wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports podcast from Justin News. We'll be back tomorrow. Uh, It may be Friday before a holiday weekend, Labor Day weekend, but I got a little surprise for you. Donald Trump, the 45th president of the United States, going to be in the House tomorrow. Exclusive interview with uh, Donald J. Trump tomorrow here on the podcast. Amanda and I will be talking to him. You won't want to miss that. Uh, We also got some other really good things on the horizon, so we'll have that covered. All right, folks, until tomorrow, until Donald Trump shows up in the House, have a great night. God bless you. Thanks for listening to John Solomon Reports and for supporting and reading
5: 5, six thousand. That's one eight hundred two four five six thousand. Or visit taxnetworkusa.com/slash Victor. Taxnetworkusa.com/slash Victor.